Welcome to this week in surgery your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This week in surgery has you covered. Our podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the surgical field. We understand that your time is valuable, so we've done the hard work for you. Each episode offers a filtered and concentrated summary of key journal articles, allowing you to stay informed without the need to sift through pages of research papers. With this week in surgery, listening is faster than reading, and you can consume valuable medical knowledge while commuting, exercising, or during your daily routine, including in the operating room. This week in surgery we will be discussing recently published articles. First, Annals of Surgery. Improving Surgical Outcomes in Pelvic Exenteration Surgery, Comparison of Prone Sacrectomy with Anterior Cortical Sacrectomy Techniques. Objective. To assess the effect of changing our sacrectomy approach from prone to anterior on surgical and oncological outcomes. Background. In patients with advanced pelvic malignancy involving the sacrum, pelvic exenteration, PE, with on-block sacrectomy is the only potential curative option but morbidity is high. Over time sacrectomy techniques have evolved from prone sacrectomy, PS, to abdominal lithotomy sacrectomy, ALS, less than or equal to S3, and high anterior cortical sacrectomy, HACS, greater than S3, to optimize surgical outcomes. Methods A retrospective, single-institution analysis of prospectively collected data for patients undergoing PE with on-block sacrectomy between 1994 and 2021 was performed. Results A total of 363 patients were identified and divided into PS, and equals 77, 21.2%, ALS, N equals 247, 68.0%, and HACS, N equals 39, 10.7%. Indications were, locally advanced, N equals 92, or recurrent, N equals 177, rectal cancer, primary other, N equals 31, recurrent other, N equals 60, and benign disease, N equals 3. PS resulted in longer operating time, P less than 0.01, and more blood loss, P less than 0.01. Patients with HACS had more major nerve, 87.2%, and vascular, 25.6%, resections, P less than 0.01. Vertical rectus abdominis myocutaneous flap repair was less common following HACS, 7.7%, than ALS, 25.5%, and PS, 27.3%, P equals 0.040. Our zero rate was 80.8%, 65.8%, and 76.9% following ALS, PS, and HACS, respectively, P equals 0.024. Wound-related complications and reoperations were significantly reduced following ALS, and HACS compared with PS. Conclusions Changing our practice from PS to an anterior approach with ALS or HAS has been safe and improved overall surgical and perioperative outcomes, while maintaining good oncological outcomes. Given the improved perioperative and surgical outcomes, it would be important for surgeons to learn and adopt the anterior sacrectomy approaches. Western diet-induced transcriptional changes in anastomotic tissue is associated with early local recurrence in a mouse model of colorectal surgery. Objective. 
To determine the time frame and associated changes in the microenvironment that promote the development of a diet-induced local regional recurrence in a mouse model of colorectal surgery. Background Postoperative recurrence and metastasis occur in up to 30% of patients undergoing attempted resection for colorectal cancer, CRC. The underlying mechanisms that drive the development of postoperative recurrences are poorly understood. Preclinical studies have demonstrated a diet and microbial-driven pathogenesis of local regional recurrence, yet the precise mechanisms remain undefined. Methods Valve-slash-C mice were fed a Western diet, WD, or Standard Diet, SD, underwent a colon resection and anastomosis, given an Enterococcus fecalis enema on postoperative day, POD, 1, and subjected to a CT26 cancer cell enema, mimicking shed cancer cells, on pod 2. Mice were sacrificed between pod 3 and pod 7 and cancer cell migration was tracked. Dynamic changes in gene expression of anastomotic tissue that were associated with cancer cell migration was assessed. Results Tumor cells were identified in mice fed either a SD or WD in both anastomotic and lymphatic tissue as early as on pod 3. Histology demonstrated that these tumor cells were viable and replicating. In WD-fed mice, the number of tumor cells increased over the early perioperative period and was significantly higher than in mice fed at SD. Microarray analysis of anastomotic tissue found that WD-fed mice had 11 dysregulated genes associated with tumor genesis. Conclusions A WD promotes cancer cells to permeate a healing anastomosis and migrate into anastomotic and lymphatic tissue forming viable tumor nodules. These data offer a novel recurrence pathogenesis by which the intestinal microenvironment promotes a CRC local regional recurrence. Ileal pouch anal anastomosis in primary sclerosing cholangitis inflammatory bowel disease, PSCIBD, long-term pouch and liver transplant outcomes. Objective to compare the effect of liver transplantation, LT, on ileal pouch anal anastomosis, IPAA, outcomes in patients with primary sclerosing cholangitis and inflammatory bowel disease, PSCIBD. Background Patients with PSCIBD may require both IPA for colitis and LT for PSC. Methods Patients with PSCIBD from out institutional pouch registry, 1985-2022, were divided according to LT status and timing of LT, before and after IPA, and their outcomes analyzed. Results A total of 160 patients were included, 112, 70%, non-transplanted at last follow-up, 48, 30%, transplanted, of which 23, 14%, before IPA and 25, 16%, after. Non-transplanted patients at IPA had more laparoscopic procedures, 37, 46%, versus 8, 18%, P equals 0.002, and less blood loss, median 250 versus 400 milliliters, P equals 0.006. Morbidity and mortality at 90 days were similar. Chronic pouchitis was higher in transplanted compared with non-transplanted patients, 32, 67%, versus 51, 45.5%, P equals 0.03, but non-transplanted patients had a higher rate of chronic antibiotic refractory pouchitis. Overall survival was similar, but non-transplanted patients had more PSC-related deaths, 
12.5% versus 2%, P equals 0.002. Pouch survival at 10 years was 90% for non-transplanted patients and 100% for transplanted patients, log rank P equals 0.052. Timing of LT had no impact on chronic pouchitis, pouch failure, or overall survival. PSC recurrence was 6% at 10 years. For transplanted patients, graft survival was similar regardless of IPA timing. Conclusions In patients with PSE IBD and IPA, LT is linked to an increased pouchitis rate but does not affect overall and pouch survival. Timing of LT does not influence short-term and long-term pouch outcomes. Propensity score matched and course and exact matched analysis comparing robotic and laparoscopic major hepatectomies, an international multicenter study of 4,822 cases. Objective To compare the outcomes between robotic major hepatectomy, RMH, and laparoscopic major hepatectomy, LMH. Background Robotic techniques may overcome the limitations of laparoscopic liver resection. However, it is unknown whether our MH is superior to LMH. Methods This is a post-hoc analysis of a multi-center database of patients undergoing our MH or LMH at 59 international centers from 2008 to 2021. Data on patient demographics, center experience volume, perioperative outcomes, and tumor characteristics were collected and analyzed. Both 1-to-1 propensity score matched, PSM, and course and exact matched, CEM, analyzes were performed to minimize selection bias between both groups. Results A total of 4,822 cases met the study criteria, of which 892 underwent RMH and 3,930 underwent LMH. Both 1-to-1 PSM, 841 RMH versus 841 liters MH and CHEM, 237 RMH versus 356 liters MH were performed. RMH was associated with significantly less blood loss, PSM colon 200.0 interquartile range, IQR, 100.0, 450.0, versus 300.0, IQR, 150.0, 500.0 milliliter, P equals 0.012, chem colon 170.0, IQR, 90.0, 400.0, versus 200.0, IQR, 100.0, 400.0 milliliter, P equals 0.006, lower rates of Pringle maneuver application, PSM, 47.1% versus 63.0%, P less than 0.001, CHEM, 54.0% versus 65.0%, P equals 0.007, and open conversion, PSM, 5.1% versus 11.9%, P less than 0.001, CHEM, 5.5% versus 10.4%, P equals 0.04, compared with LMH. On subset analysis of 1,273 patients with cirrhosis, our MH was associated with a lower postoperative morbidity rate, PSM, 19.5% versus 29.9%, P equals 0.02, CHEM 10.4% versus 25.5%, P equals 0.02, and shorter postoperative stay, PSM, 6.9, IQR, 5.0, 
9.0, days versus 8.0, IQR, 6.011.3, days, P less than 0.001, Chem 7.0, IQR, 5.0, 9.0, days versus 7.0, IQR, 6.0, 10.0, days, P equals 0.047. Conclusions This international multi-center study demonstrated that our MH was comparable to LMH in safety and was associated with reduced blood loss, lower rates of Pringle maneuver application, and conversion to open surgery. Development and validation of prediction models and risk calculators for post-hepatectomy liver failure and postoperative complications using a diverse international cohort of major hepatectomies. Objective The study aim was to develop and validate models to predict clinically significant post-hepatectomy liver failure, PHLF, and serious complications, a comprehensive complication index, CCI greater than 40, using preoperative and intraoperative variables. Background. PHLF is a serious complication after major hepatectomy but does not comprehensively capture a patient's postoperative course. Adding the CCI as an additional metric can account for complications unrelated to liver function. Methods. The cohort included adult patients who underwent major hepatectomies at 12 international centers, 2010 to 2020. After splitting the data into training and validation sets, 7030 models for PHLF and a CCI greater than 40 were fit using logistic regression with a lasso penalty on the training cohort. The models were then evaluated on the validation data set. Results. Among 2,192 patients, 185, 8.4%, had clinically significant PHLF, and 160, 7.3%, had a CCI greater than 40. The PHLF model had an area under the curve, AUC, of 0.80, calibration slope of 0.95, and calibration in the large of minus 0.09, while the CCI model had an AUC of 0.76, calibration slope of 0.88, and calibration in the large of 0.02. When the models were provided only preoperative variables to predict PHLF and a CCI greater than 40, This resulted in similar AUCs of 0.78 and 0.71, respectively. Both models were used to build two risk calculators with the option to include or exclude intraoperative variables, PHLF risk calculator, CCI greater than 40 risk calculator. Conclusions Using an international cohort of major hepatectomy patients, we used preoperative and intraoperative variables to develop and internally validate multivariable models to predict clinically significant PHLF and a CCI greater than 40 with good discrimination and calibration. Next article is from British Journal of Surgery. Neuromuscular Electrical Stimulation for Intermittent Claudication NESIC, multi-center, randomized controlled trial. Methods. This was an open, multi-center, randomized controlled trial. Patients with intermittent claudication attending vascular surgery outpatient clinics were randomized, one-to-one, to receive either neuromuscular electrical stimulation, NMES, or not in addition to local standard care available at study centers, 
best medical therapy alone or plus supervised exercise therapy, SET. The objective of this trial was to investigate the clinical efficacy of a NUS device in addition to local standard care in improving walking distances in patients with claudication. The primary outcome was change in absolute walking distance, measured by a standardized treadmill test at three months. Secondary outcomes included intermittent claudication, IC, distance, adherence, quality of life, and hemodynamic changes. Results Of 200 participants randomized, 160 were included in the primary analysis, intention to treat, Tobit regression model. The square root of absolute walking distance was analyzed, due to a right-skewed distribution, and, although adjunctive means improved it at three months, no statistically significant effect was observed. CETA's local standard care seemed to improve distance compared to best medical therapy at three months, 3.29 units, 95% CI, 1.77 to 4.82, P less than 0.001. Adjunctive IMS improved distance in mild claudication, 2.88 units, 95% CI, 0.51 to 5.25, P equals 0.02, compared to local standard care at three months. No serious adverse events relating to the device were reported. Conclusion Supervised exercise therapy is effective and may provide further benefit in mild IC. Impact of autofluorescence for detection of parathyroid glands during thyroidectomy on postoperative parathyroid hormone levels, parallel multicenter randomized clinical trial. Background Techniques for autofluorescence have been introduced to visualize the parathyroid glands during surgery and reduce hypoparathyroidism after thyroidectomy. Methods This parallel multicenter RCT investigated the use of Flobeam LX to visualize the parathyroid glands by autofluorescence during total thyroidectomy compared with no use. There was no restriction on the indication for surgery. Patients were randomized one, one and were blinded to the group allocation. The hypothesis was that autofluorescence enables identification and protection of the parathyroid glands during thyroidectomy. The primary endpoint was the rate of low parathyroid hormone, PTH, levels the day after surgery. Results Some 535 patients were randomized, and 486 patients received an intervention according to the study protocol, 246 in the Flobeam LX group and 240 in the control group. Some 64 patients, 26.0%, in the Flubeam LX group and 77, 32.1%, in the control group had low levels of PTH after thyroidectomy, P equals 0.141, relative risk, RR, 0.81, 95% CI 0.61 to 1.07. Subanalysis of 174 patients undergoing central lymph node clearance showed that 15 of 82, 18%, in the Flobeam LX group and 31 of 92, 33%, in the control group had low levels of PTH on postoperative day 1, P equals 0.021, RR 0.54, 0.31 to 0.93. More parathyroid glands were identified during operation in patients who had surgery with Flobeam LX and fewer parathyroid glands in the surgical specimen on definitive histopathology. No specific harm related to the use of Flobeam LX was reported. Conclusion 
The use of autofluorescence during thyroidectomy did not reduce the rate of low PTH levels on postoperative day 1 in the whole group of patients. It did, however, reduce the rate in a subgroup of patients. Stoma-free survival after anastomotic leak following rectal cancer resection, worldwide cohort of 2,470 patients. Background The optimal treatment of anastomotic leak after rectal cancer resection is unclear. This worldwide cohort study aimed to provide an overview of four treatment strategies applied. Methods Patients from 216 centers and 45 countries with anastomotic leak after rectal cancer resection between 2014 and 2018 were included. Treatment was categorized as salvage surgery, fecal diversion with passive or active vacuum, drainage, and no primary-slash-secondary fecal diversion. The primary outcome was one-year stoma-free survival. In addition, passive and active drainage were compared using propensity score matching to 1. Results of 2,470 evaluable patients, 388, 16.0%, underwent salvage surgery, 1,524, 62.0%, passive drainage, 278, 11.0%, active drainage, and 280, 11.0%, had no fecal diversion. One-year stoma-free survival rates were 13.7, 48.3, 48.2 and 65.4% respectively. Propensity score matching resulted in 556 patients with passive and 278 with active drainage. There was no statistically significant difference between these groups in one-year stoma-free survival, or 0.95, 95% CI 0.66 to 1.33, with a risk difference of minus 1.1, 95% CI minus 9.0 to 7.0%. After active drainage, more patients required secondary salvage surgery, or 2.32, 1.49 1.4 3.59, prolonged hospital admission, an additional 6, 95% CI 2 to 10 days, and ICU admission, or 1.41, 1.02-1.94. 1 mean duration of leak healing did not differ significantly, an additional 12, minus 28 to 52, days. Conclusion Primary salvage surgery or emission of fecal diversion likely correspond to the most severe and least severe leaks respectively. In patients with diverted leaks, stoma-free survival did not differ statistically between passive and active drainage, although the increased risk of secondary salvage surgery and ICU admission suggests residual confounding. Next article is from Journal of Vascular Surgery. The financial burden associated with endovascular repair of thoracoabdominal and perirenal aortic aneurysms using physician-modified fenestrated branched endografts. Objective-slash-background Endovascular thoracoabdominal and perirenal aortic aneurysm repair is more complex and requires more devices than infrarenal aneurysm repair. It is unclear if current reimbursement covers the cost of delivering this more advanced form of vascular care. The objective of this study was to evaluate the economics of fenestrated branched, FBFR, physician-modified endograft, PMEG, repairs. Methods 
we obtained technical and professional cost and revenue data for four consecutive fiscal years, July 1, 2017, to June 30, 2021, at our quaternary referral institution. Inclusion criteria were patients who underwent MEG-FBFR in a uniform fashion by a single surgeon for thoracoabdominal-slash-pararenal aortic aneurysms. Patients in industry-sponsored clinical trials were receiving Cook-Zenith fenestrated grafts were excluded. Financial data were analyzed for the index operation. Technical costs were divided into direct costs that included devices and billable supplies and indirect costs, including overhead. Results 62 patients, 79% male, mean age, 74 years, 66% thoracoabdominal aneurysms, met inclusion criteria. The mean aneurysm size was 6.0 cm, the mean total operating time was 219 minutes, and the median hospital length of stay was 2 days. PEGs were created with a mean number of 3.7 fenestrations, using a mean of 8.6 implantable devices per case. The average technical cost per case was $71,198, and the average technical reimbursement was $57,642, providing a net negative technical margin of $13,556 per case. Of this cohort, 31 patients, 50%, were insured by Medicare remunerated under diagnosis-related group code 268-269. Their respective average technical reimbursement was $41,293, with a mean negative margin of $22,989 per case, with similar findings for professional costs. The primary driver of technical cost was implantable devices, accounting for 77% of total technical cost per case over the study period. The total operating margin, including technical and professional cost and revenue, for the cohort during the study period was negative $1,560,422. Conclusions PEG FBFR for pararenal-slash-thoracoabdominal aortic aneurysms produces a substantially negative operating margin for the index operation driven largely by device costs. Device cost alone already exceeds total technical revenue and presents an opportunity for cost reduction. In addition, Increased reimbursement for FBFR, especially among Medicare beneficiaries, will be important to facilitate patient access to such innovative technology. Predicting outcomes following open revascularization for aortoiliac occlusive disease using machine learning. Objective Open surgical treatment options for aortoiliac occlusive disease carry significant perioperative risks, however, outcome prediction tools remain limited. Using machine learning, ML, we developed automated algorithms that predict 30-day outcomes following open aortoiliac revascularization. Methods The National Surgical Quality Improvement Program, SCUP, Targeted vascular database was used to identify patients who underwent open aortoiliac revascularization for atherosclerotic disease between 2011 and 2021. Input features included 38 preoperative demographic-slash-clinical variables. The primary outcome was 30-day major adverse limb event, male, composite of untreated loss of patency, major re-intervention, or major amputation, or death. The 30-day secondary outcomes were individual components of the primary outcome, major adverse cardiovascular event, MACE, composite of myocardial infarction, stroke or death, individual components of MACE, 
wound complication, bleeding, other morbidity, non-home discharge, and unplanned readmission. Overall, 9,649 patients were included. The primary outcome of 30-day mail or death occurred in 1021 patients, 10.6%. Our best-performing prediction model for 30-day mail or death was XGBoost, achieving an ORAC of 0.95, 95% confidence interval, C, 0.94 to 0.96. In comparison, logistic regression had an ORAC of 0.79, 95% C, 0.77 to 0.81. For 30-day secondary outcomes, XGBoost achieved ORACs between 0.87 and 0.97, untreated loss of patency, 0.95, major re-intervention, 0.88, major amputation, 0.96, death, 0.97, MACE, 0.95, myocardial infarction, 0.88, stroke, 0.93, wound complication, 0.94, bleeding, 0.87, other morbidity, 0.96, non-home discharge, 0.90, and unplanned readmission, 0.91. The calibration plot showed good agreement between predicted and observed event probabilities with a Breyer score of 0.05. The strongest predictive feature in our algorithm was chronic limb-threatening ischemia. Model performance remained robust on all subgroup analyses of specific demographic-slash-clinical populations. Conclusions Our ML models accurately predict 30-day outcomes following open aortoiliac revascularization using preoperative data, performing better than logistic regression. They have potential for important utility in guiding risk mitigation strategies for patients being considered for open aortoiliac revascularization to improve outcomes. Investigation of center-specific saphenous vein utilization rates in femoral popliteal artery bypass and associated impact of conduit on outcomes. Objective. The purpose of this study is to investigate variation in great saphenous vein, GSV, use among the various centers participating in the vascular quality initiative infrainguinal bypass modules. Further, Differences in outcomes in femoral popliteal artery bypass with single-segment GSV conduit versus prosthetic conduit will be documented. Center GSV use rate impact on outcomes will be investigated. Methods Primary exclusions were patients undergoing redo bypass, urgent or emergent bypass, and those in whom prosthetic graft was used while having undergone prior coronary artery bypass grafting. The distribution of GSV use across the 260 centers participating in Vascular Quality Initiative Infrainguinal Bypass Module was placed into histogram and variance and mean GSV use evaluated with analysis of variance analysis. Centers that used GSV in greater than 50% of bypasses were categorized as high-use centers and centers that used the GSV in less than 30% of cases were categorized as low-use centers. Baseline differences in patient characteristics and comorbidities in those undergoing bypass with GSV versus prosthetic conduit were analyzed with G2 testing and the student T-test, as were those undergoing treatment in high versus low-use centers. Among centers with greater than 50 patients meeting inclusion criteria for this study, GSV use ranged from 15% to 93%, analysis of variance P less than 0.001. When considering all centers irrespective of number of patients, the range was 0% to 100%.
On Kaplan-Meier analysis, GSV conduit use was associated with improved freedom from loss of primary or primary-assisted patency, improved freedom from major amputation after index hospitalization, improved freedom from graft infection after the index hospitalization, and improved freedom from mortality in long-term follow-up, log rank P less than 0.001 for all four outcomes. Both low use center, hazard ratio, 1.35, P less than 0.001, and prosthetic graft use, hazard ratio, 1.24, P less than 0.001, achieved multivariable significance as risks for mortality in long-term follow-up. Other variables with a multivariable mortality association are presented in the manuscript. Low use center and prosthetic bypass were significant univariable but not multivariable risks for major amputation after index hospitalization. Conclusions There is remarkably wide variation in GSV use for femoral popliteal artery bypass among various medical centers. GSV use is associated with enhanced long-term survival as well as freedom from loss of bypass patency and graft infection. The data herein indicate institutional patterns of prosthetic conduit choice, which has the potential to be altered to enhance outcomes. Next article is from Annals of Surgical Oncology. Implementation of a Multidisciplinary Team and Quality of Goals of Care Discussions in Palliative Surgical Oncology Patients Background Palliative surgical oncology patients represent a unique group with complex needs who often require multidisciplinary input for the provision of timely and holistic care. The authors assembled a multidisciplinary palliative intervention team and evaluated its association with the quality of discussions on goals of care, GOC, among advanced cancer patients undergoing palliative interventions. Methods This prospective cohort study analyzed advanced cancer patients undergoing palliative interventions at a single urban academic center from October 2019 to March 2022. In January 2021, a multidisciplinary palliative surgical intervention, MD-PALS, team was assembled. All palliative surgical oncology patients were discussed at multidisciplinary meetings and managed by members of the MD-PALS team. An interrupted time series, ITS, model was built to evaluate the association of MD-PALS implementation and the quality of GOC discussions as measured by a consensus-derived four-point GOC discussion quality score. Results The study recruited 126 palliative surgical oncology patients, 44 in the pre-MD-PALS group and 82 in the post-MD-PALS group. The two groups did not differ significantly in baseline demographics, treatment, or postoperative and survival outcomes. Compared with the pre-MD-PALS group, the post-MD-PALS group had a significantly higher mean GOC discussion quality score, 1.34 versus 2.61, p less than 0.001. Based on the ITS model, the average quarterly GOC discussion quality score increased significantly among patients after implementation of the MD-PALS team, change equals 1.93, 95% confidence interval, 0.96 to 2.90, P equals 0.003. Conclusion The implementation of an MD-PALS team was associated with improvements in the quality of GOC discussions among palliative surgical oncology patients.
Impact of Sodium Thiosulfate on Prevention of Nephrotoxicities in HIPAC, an Ancillary Evaluation of Cisplatin-Induced Toxicities in Ovarian Cancer. Purpose Hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy, HIPEC, with cisplatin confers a survival benefit in epithelial ovarian cancer, EOC, but is associated with renal toxicity. Sodium thiosulfate, SD, is used for nephroprotection for HIPEC with cisplatin, but standard HIPEC practices vary. Methods A prospective, non-randomized, clinical trial evaluated safety outcomes of HIPEC with cisplatin 75 mg M2 during cytoreductive surgery, CRS, in patients with EIC, N equals 34, and endometrial cancer, N equals 6. 21 patients received no ST, NSD, and 19 received street adverse events, A's, were reported according to KV.5.0. Serum creatinine, CR, was collected preoperatively and postoperatively, days 5 to 8. Progression-free survival, PFS, was followed. Normal peritoneum was biopsied before and after HIPEC for whole transcriptomic sequencing to identify RN ASIC signatures correlating with A's. Results 40 patients had HIPEC at the time of interval or secondary CRS. Renal toxicities in the NSD group were 33% any grade A and 9% grade 3 A's. The ST group demonstrated no renal A's. Median postoperative CR in the NSD group was 1.1 mg DL and half a mg DL in the ST group, P equals 0.0001. Median change in CR from preoperative to postoperative levels were plus 53%, NSD, compared with minus 9.6%, SD, P equals 0.003. PFS did not differ between the ST and NSD groups in primary or recurrent EEC patients. Renal A's were associated with downregulation of metabolic pathways and upregulation of immune pathways. Conclusions SD significantly reduces acute renal toxicity associated with HIPEC with cisplatin in ovarian cancer patients. As nephrotoxicity is high in HIPEC with cisplatin, nephroprotective agents should be considered. Next article is from International Journal of Surgery. Implementation of a step care program to address emotional recovery among traumatic injury patients. Background. Annually, over 600,000 adults served in U.S. trauma centers, greater than or equal to 20%, develop post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and or depression in the first year after injury. American College of Surgeons guidelines include screening and addressing mental health recovery in trauma centers. Yet, many trauma centers do not monitor and address mental health recovery, and it is a priority to learn how to implement evidence-informed mental health programs in trauma centers. Study Design This report describes our application of the exploration, preparation, implementation, sustainment model to implement the Trauma Resilience and Recovery Program. TRRP, in three level 1 and 2 trauma centers to address patients' mental health needs. TRRP is a scalable and sustainable step model of care, one of the few in the U.S., that provides early intervention and direct services after traumatic injury. Results Trauma centers are well positioned to accelerate patients' mental health recovery via early identification, education, screening, and referrals to mental health agencies that provide best practice care. 
We found that TRRP was acceptable to the three partnering trauma centers we studied. Early engagement of patient, provider, and hospital administration stakeholders enhanced buy-in during the early stages of the implementation process and promoted sustainability. Active processes to support monitoring, evaluation, and adaptation were critical. Conclusions Our work demonstrates the feasibility of implementing and adapting TRRP, a cost-efficient and sustainable step care intervention, in Level 1 and 2 trauma centers. Several factors should be carefully considered by trauma centers seeking to integrate behavioral health interventions into their trauma program. Burnout and its consequences among vascular surgeons and trainees, a Danish national survey. Background Burnout among physicians has widespread negative consequences. Little is known about burnout among European vascular surgeons, versus. A previously published study found that 82% of versus and vascular surgical trainees, VSD, in Denmark experience burnout symptoms. The present study aimed to investigate work and health-related consequences of burnout. Study design. An electronic survey was distributed to all versus slash VSD in Denmark in January 2020. Validated assessment tools were used to measure burnout, mental health, and psychosocial work environment aspects. Results Of 104 invited versus slash VSD, 82%, and equals 85, completed the survey. Versus accounted for 72%, and equals 61, of the respondents, and 40%, and equals 33, were female. Statistically significant associations were found between higher levels of burnout and a range of work and health-related outcomes, including a sense of meaning at work, workplace commitment, conflicts between work and private life, work stress, sick leave, and depressive symptoms. Versus slash VSD using pain medication daily or weekly had significantly higher burnout scores than respondents who rarely or never use pain medication. A significant association between burnout and job satisfaction and retention was found, with respondents indicating an intention to stay within the specialty having significantly lower burnout scores than those who considered leaving within five years. Among those who indicated leaving the specialty, 35%, and equals 13, attributed this to their current working conditions. Conclusions Burnout among versus slash VST in Denmark is negatively associated with various work and health-related outcomes. The work environment seems to play an essential role in these associations, and alterations in workplace organization may remedy this situation. Next article is from Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery. Evaluating the impact of timing to rib fixation in patients with traumatic brain injury, a nationwide analysis. Background Early surgical stabilization of rib fractures, SSRF, is associated with improved inpatient outcomes in patients with multiple rib fractures. However, there is still a paucity of data examining the optimal timing of SSRF in patients with concomitant traumatic brain injury, TBI. This study aimed to assess whether earlier SSRF was associated with improved outcomes in patients with multiple rib fractures and TBI. Methods we performed a retrospective analysis of the American College of Surgeons Trauma Quality Improvement Program 2017-2020, to 
including adult patients with TBI and multiple rib fractures who had undergone SSRF. The outcomes were post-procedural length of stay, LOS, hospital loss, intensive care unit, ICU, loss, in-hospital mortality, ventilator days, and tracheostomy rate. Multilevel mixed effects regression analyzes accounting for patient, injury, and hospital characteristics as well as institutional SSRF volume were used to assess the association between timing to SSRF and the outcomes of interest. As a sensitivity analysis, propensity score matching was performed to compare patients who underwent early, less than 72 hours, versus late SSRF, greater than or equal to 72 hours. Results Of 1,041 patients included in this analysis, 430, 41.3%, underwent SSRF within the first 72 hours from admission. Delay to SSRF was associated with an increase in post-procedural loss, partial regression coefficient, beta, equals 0.011, t equals 0.036, 95% confidence interval, c, 0.001 to 0.023, longer hospital loss, beta equals 0.053, t less than 0.001, 95% C, 0.042 to 0.064, prolonged ICU loss, beta equals 0.032, P less than 0.001, 95% C, 0.025 to 0.038, and more ventilator days, beta equals 0.026, P less than 0.001, 95% C, 0.020 to 0.032. Conclusion In patients with concurrent multiple rib fractures and TBI, a delay in SSRF is associated with an increase in postprocedural loss, hospital loss, ICU loss, and ventilator days. These findings suggest that the early patient selection and implementation of SSRF may play a beneficial role in patients presenting with concomitant TBI and multiple rib fractures. Next article is from the American Journal of Surgery. Anastomotic leak rates after repair of mesenteric bucket handle injuries, a multicenter retrospective cohort study. Background. Primary aim was to assess the relative risk, RR, of anastomotic leak, AL, in intestinal bucket handle, BH, compared to non-BH injury. Methods. Multicenter study comparing AL and BH from blunt trauma 2010 to 2021 compared to non-BH intestinal injuries. RR was calculated for small bowel and colonic injury using R. Results. AL occurred in 2385, 5.2% of BH versus 4225, 1.8% of non-BH small intestine injury. AL was diagnosed 11.6 plus or minus 5.6 days from index operation in small intestine BH and 9.7 plus or minus 4.3 days in colonic BH. Adjusted RR for AL was 2.32, 0.77 to 6.95 for small intestinal and 4.83, 1.47 to 15.89 for colonic injuries. AL increased infections, ventilator days, ICU and total length of stay reoperation and readmission rates although mortality was unchanged conclusion bh carries a significantly higher risk of al particularly in the colon than other blunt intestinal injuries
Perspective, International Analysis of Quality of Life Outcomes in Recurrent versus Primary Ventral Hernia Repairs Background Quality of Life, QL, has become a key outcome measure following ventral hernia repair, VHR, but recurrent and primary VHR have not been compared in this context previously. Methods The International Hernia Mesh Registry, 2008-2019 was used to identify patients with call data scored by the Carolinas Comfort Scale preoperatively and postoperatively at one year. Results Repairs were performed in 227 recurrent and 1,122 primary VHs. Recurrent patients had a higher BMI, larger defects, and were more likely to have preoperative pain, but other comorbidities were equal. Recurrence rates at one year were equivalent. Recurrent patients had a greater improvement in pain, minus 6.3 plus or minus 10.2 versus minus 4.3 plus or minus 8.3, P equals 0.002, and movement limitation, minus 5.5 plus or minus 10.0 versus minus 3.2 plus or minus 7.2, P less than 0.001, compared to primary patients, but they had increased postoperative mesh sensation, 4.6 4.6 plus or minus 7.7 versus 2.7 plus or minus 5.5, p less than 0.001. Conclusions Recurrent VHRs led to improved pain and movement limitation, but increased mesh sensation. These findings may be useful for preoperative counseling in the elective setting. Early predictors of prolonged intensive care utilization following liver transplantation. Introduction Creatinine, bilirubin, and fibrinolysis resistance are associated with multi organ dysfunction and likely risk factors for prolonged intensive care unit, PICU, stay following liver transplantation, LT. We hypothesize postoperative day 1, pod 1, labs will predict PICU. Methods LT recipients had clinical laboratories and viscoelastic testing with tissue plasminogen activator thromboelastography, PITEG, to quantify fibrinolysis resistance, LY30, on POD1. PICU was defined as one week or longer in the ICU. Logistic regression was used to identify the relationship between POD1 labs and PICU. Results Of 304 patients, 50% went to the ICU, with 15% experiencing PICU. Elevated creatinine, or 6.6, P less than 0.001, and load PATEG LY30, or 3.7, P equals 0.004, were independent predictors of PICU after controlling for other risk factors. A nine-fold increase in the rate of 90-day graft loss, 19% versus 2% P less than 0.001, was observed patients who had these risk factors for PICU. Conclusion Elevated creatine and fibrinolysis resistance are associated with PICU and poor outcomes following LT. Impact of methocarbamol on opioid use after ventral incisional hernia repair. Background Alternatives to opioid analgesia are needed to reduce the risk of abuse, misuse, and diversion. Musculoskeletal pain is a significant contributor to postoperative pain after ventral hernia repair, VHR. We report the impact of methocarbamol on opioid prescribing after VHR. 
Methods Review of All Robotic and Open VHR, January 2020-July 2022 Data was collected in the Abdominal Core Health Quality Collaborative, AIC, with additional chart review to assess for opioid refills. A 2-to-1 propensity score match was performed comparing opioid prescribing in patients prescribed versus not prescribed methocarbamol. Results 101 patients received methocarbamol compared with 202 without. Similar number of patients received an opioid prescription, 87.1 versus 86.6%, P equals 0.904. Steady patients received significantly lower MME prescription at discharge, 60 V75, P equals 0.021, with no difference in refills, 12.5 versus 16.6%, P equals 0.386. Conclusion Addition of methocarbamol to a multimodal analgesic regimen after VHR facilitates reduction in prescribed opioid with no increase in refills. Help a mother out, the impact of acute care surgeon response in postpartum hemorrhage. Introduction A code white, CW, activation is a hospital-wide alert for postpartum hemorrhage, PPH, and acute care surgeons, ACS, were added to the response team to assist in resuscitation. A multidisciplinary training program was also implemented. This study aimed to evaluate the impact of ACS involvement and training on maternal outcomes. Methods A retrospective review was performed on all CW activations from January 1, 2015 to August 31, 2022. Three groups, pre-ACS response, ACS response, and ACS response plus training, R&T, were compared. Results 218 patients had CW activations. ACS response increased MTP activations, 50.0% vs 76.5% vs 76. 2%, 2%, P equals 0.014, and TXA administration, 50.0% VS 96.5% VS 93. 3%, P less than 0.0001. The ACS RNT had the highest ACS presence, 53.6% VS 72.9% VS 96. 2%, P less than 0.0001, shortest operation, 99 versus 67 versus 53 minutes, P equals 0.002, lowest crystalloid use, 2000 versus 1110 versus 800 ml, P equals 0.003, and lowest transfusion requirements. Mortality decreased from 17.9% in pre-ACS to 2.4% in ACS response and 0% in ACS RNT, P less than 0.0001. Conclusion ACS assistance in CW activations and multidisciplinary PPH education led to the prevention of maternal mortality. ACS are a valuable resource in this unique population. Resuscitative endovascular balloon occlusion of the aorta, reboa, prior to interfacility transfer who might benefit in a statewide trauma system. Background Rural trauma patients are often seen at lower-level trauma centers before transfer and have higher mortality than those seen initially at a level 1 trauma center. 
This study aims to describe the potential for resuscitative endovascular balloon occlusion of the aorta, reboa, to bridge this mortality gap. Methods We query the Arizona Trauma Registry between 2014 and 2017 for hypotensive patients who were later transported to a level 1 center. Reboa candidates were identified as those with injuries consistent with major infradiaphragmatic torso hemorrhage as the likely cause of death. Results Of 17,868 interfacility transfers during the study period, 333 met inclusion criteria and had sufficient data for evaluation. 26 of the 333 patients were identified as Reboa candidates. Conclusions Our study suggests that Reboa may be an effective means to extend survivability to those severely injured trauma patients needing interfacility transfer to a higher level of care. Thank you for listening to this week in surgery, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.